0: You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. Today's show is going to be about privacy and the surveillance that invades your privacy. Some tips about what you can do about it, and mostly just to raise your awareness so that you know that it's going on. I think one of the biggest problems that exists in our society today is something that's called the complexity gap, and it exists in most industries, actually, and it becomes Extremely difficult, if not impossible, to even become an informed decision maker with regards to uh, just about anything because you can't. How can you make an informed decision if you don't know enough about it because of the complexity gap? great example of this is, do you actually know what is in anything that you're ingesting or being injected with? Do you actually really know what's in there? The label says what the label says, but is that actually the truth of what's in there? Well, if you go talk to various industry experts, there's an awful lot of variance that's allowed you end up having to find out what the government allows labeling to say before you can even have a a, chance of understanding, for example, what the heck actually is natural flavors? Or what does it actually mean when phenylketonuric shows up on a label? If you don't know the answer to that, how can you be an informed decision maker? Well, the same thing applies in high finance, low finance, (laughs) and certainly IT. So this is one of the biggest problems that I see with regards to privacy and surveillance and Mm -hmm. simply being a user of services is that you as an end user, as a consumer of these services, are not provided at any level of a reasonable full disclosure basis uh, to the point where you can make an informed decision. So the best we can do is try to become aware by other means because you are not being provided the information in order to be an informed decision maker by simply looking at things like end user license agreements. And that's even if you can tolerate reading them. Well, let's first start off on this topic of smart vehicles. There's a major problem going on right now, which is that the massive corporate powers, whether they be the car manufacturers themselves or the data aggregators, are taking the next step of looking at you again as one of the most profitable pieces of meat that they have to exploit you, your identity and everything about you is something that they can profit from. It's all about knowing every little aspect about you. So there's really two big facets to this. Well, maybe three. So first off, is it really does the government actually have the legal authority to collect and track and aggregate every known bit of data about you and then retain it forever? Here's another one. Does Google does that? Do they have the right to do that? Well, whether or not you think Google has the right to do it, they are doing it. In fact, if you were to just type into a search engine Anything You may even just type it in there and not actually execute it. Google knows what you've typed because as you type it, the data is sent, which is how the, I'm going to call it the Ajax search functionality is basically what it is. It's a, that's not what they would call it, but it's basically a search that is occurring in a dynamic way as you type things in. So when you hit the enter button, that is not actually when your search has been entered. Your search has been entered as you type in every single letter. So that gets recorded back onto Google services. And if uh, Google knew who you were or had an ability to correlate that using cookies in any way, if they had any ability to correlate that with a profile about you, then they know exactly what searches you didn't actually even hit the enter button on, but you just happened to have typed in there. So there's that level of tracking that's done by, you know, big corporate. Big corporate is also looking at you as a piece of meat to be exploited, and so what they're trying to do now is to get into these arrangements with vehicle manufacturers in order to have always-on data connections Basically, cell phone connections that, whether or not you like it, you're paying for it. It's part of the new car that you're getting. Because the car manufacturers have determined that this is what they want to have uh, enabled all the time. There's um, very, very few cars that you can even get anymore that do not have a built-in computer. So... Uh, Their claim is that it's used to create detailed maps and enhance vehicle navigation systems and other things like that. Uh, However, other companies are collaborating with the vehicle manufacturers such as uh, Amazon, Google, uh, Qualcomm, uh, BlackBerry, etc., Intel even, and they are interested in having all of this integration and this uh, data sharing. Right, this data sharing that's going on. So, this is not just where you're driving, what addresses you've put in there, it's who you've called, what status you were in while you were driving, what speed you were going, um, what was happening on your phone, you know, did you have Bluetooth on or not, what music did you play. We really get into some very creepy territories as well, which is the ability to do things like pull the feeds from the microphones in the car because you know there's microphones in the car. I mean, you have to know that because you have a Bluetooth assisted calling feature in the car, right? So, therefore, it has a microphone in the car. And do you really have control over when that microphone is activated or not? No, you don't. And in fact, The car manufacturers can enable that, or anyone who has access into that control mechanism has the ability to turn that microphone on at will. Now, their excuse for that is, well, what if the uh, car crash system activated and Uh, It's detected that you're unresponsive and they want to have somebody be able to initiate a call into you in the car and then activate cameras, interior cameras, to check out are you incapacitated, do you need help. Now maybe you like that functionality, maybe you like that feature. But my point is, are you aware of all the other ways in which this data can be used? Do you want to be paying for the surveillance mechanism used to track you and record everything that you're doing or have ever done in that vehicle or with the vehicle and you have no control over the data retention standards of it so you know they put these cameras on the inside of the cars and the inside of the vehicles with the intent of saying oh well we're going to monitor you as a driver to find out whether or not you're nodding off and going to sleep so that it can then you know, beep the horn or start talking to you or whatever the mechanism is. So when your car has that type of functionality, well, it's basically watching you all the time, right? You have to realize that it's now watching you all the time. So there are, They're also now talking about doing facial recognition with these cameras to, quote, personalize the vehicle and track driver attention. And of course, they've been for a while now collecting data associated with acceleration, braking, uh, beam, uh, and beaming all of this data back to the car manufacturer with an always on internet connection. So, you know, were you swerving? Um, were you, and, of course, the car knows darn well how fast you were going, and it knows where you were, so it knows whether or not you were going over the speed limit. You know, it just, um, all this just goes on and on, and I, I think it's, it's one thing if you choose to utilize those navigation features It's another thing if all of that is getting reported back to some mothership who then, through a third-party transitive trust agreement that you did not agree to, that that data is then shared with Google, Amazon, Qualcomm, Facebook, etc., data aggregators, whose objective in life is to create a totality of a profile on you, a life log, effectively. And then all of that can also be accessed by really anybody who has nefarious intent. I mean, look at how many times these databases are compromised. You may have something as simple as abuse of authority. There are certainly cases of abuse of authority on behalf of law enforcement, but there's also cases of abuse of authority on behalf of the employees of some of these companies. And then what if that data gets hacked? And then, of course, there's the whole aspect of it being uh, tapped into on a real-time basis all the time by various government alphabet soup agencies. So I think we literally don't have the ability to not consent to this type of totalitarian surveillance anymore if... There is no car manufacturer that is going to manufacture a vehicle that doesn't include a totalitarian surveillance police state embedded right in the car. So your option is what? Go find some Willie's Jeep <laughs> and juice it up to make it uh, drivable. And I know you can get yourself like a Dodge Power Wagon for a couple hundred grand, but I don't know a whole lot of people that have the finances or the willingness to spend a couple hundred grand on a uh, survivalist Do- Dodge Power Wagon, you know, regardless of how many of uh, people might would like to have such lovely things. Anyways, that uh, is an, the latest shocking integration and intersection between all your personal data and automobiles. So, uh. When it takes me into the next article here that I'd like to cover, and I will post this for you. Uh, Robert Epstein, who has no relation to Jeffrey Epstein, by the way. Uh, Robert Epstein is a Ph.D. scientist who did a phenomenal job at great personal risk uh, to expose the totalitarian corruption uh, that is uh, literally... It's... it's Treasonous what Google has done in their interference with uh, the U.S. people and certainly their interference in U.S. elections. They should not be interfering whatsoever, but Google has been absolutely proven to have interfered in uh, election after election after election. So he's proven this, and he had death threats issued against him. And, in fact, there was a state senator who said that, you know, you've had the courage to bring this information forward. You're probably going to be killed in the next six months. And it wasn't a threat. That was him telling him that, you know, you've angered the beast of Google and Alphabet and so forth. And so, sure enough, Robert Epstein's wife was killed recently and it was in a vehicular accident that was caused by uh, someone had tampered with the vehicle, and it happened to be his vehicle that she was driving that day. So Robert Epstein's opinion is that his wife is dead because somebody tried to kill him. Well, he published uh, an article that I thought was quite good where he talked about the reasons why you should try to get away from all Google everything and the things that you can do in order to or in order to work towards having some online privacy <clears throat> i'll or i will link this article but i'll just go over it real quickly for you uh, he basically says you, you know you really need to get off of gmail just get off of it entirely there is a much better service called proton mail and Uh, I absolutely agree with that. I know some people that use ProtonMail, and they've been extremely happy with ProtonMail. Uh, There are, of course, other ways you can do that as well. You could use other email services. Just the bottom line is to get off of Gmail. And I, I think one of the things to really think about is that as soon as you start using free anything then the problem is it's not free. It's your identity and your information that is the product. That's the commodity that's paying for that service. So it's not free. Uh, He makes the point that you should stop using Google search engine, which um, I absolutely agree with he, and this is nothing new, I mean, I think people in the know have known since for the last 20 years that you shouldn't be using Google Search Engine. And most people in the know also understand that Google Search Engine, which is the most aggressive spying tool that's ever been invented, it was funded from the very beginning by DARPA, the NSA, and the CIA, and, you know, the DOD. And... Now, if you really understand the origins of Facebook, Facebook was originally as a DARPA project called Life Log. It was intended for you to be a self-reporter spy writing your own life log out there, and it was supposed to be holding on and tracking everything that you ever did. Uh, and you know, privacy advocates in the government were saying at that time in the Wayback machine, that you know we really don't have the constitutional authority to do that so instead the um, governmental agencies decided to fund the researchers that were and then gave them the, effectively gave them this idea so if you think Mark Zuckerberg is some big genius i think you should do some some research into that because the initial ideas for facebook and then the funding as well as the support that Zuckerberg received over the years was very much so not of his own design. And um, I'm not saying that he's an idiot or anything like that, and I'm not saying that he didn't have contributions. I'm just saying that the government in that case played favorites. It was not a level playing field, and I think anytime the government decides they're going to give somebody an idea and then give them virtually unlimited financial backing and then remove every barrier from in front of them they're pretty much going to take over and eliminate all the competition. So um, that's what I'm saying is that it is not a level playing field and these articles you see where they're talking about Sergey Brin and and Zuckerberg being these grand geniuses those are propaganda pieces. So Google search engine it has been proven irrefutably, repeatedly, to tamper with search results. It's not a good search engine. If you want to have your search results censored to the point where it's showing you something that's a completely different worldview from what you have and if you want somebody to be filtering information for you and not actually letting you engage in critical thinking then by all means use Google search engine but if what you're looking for instead is to actually find information to be able to research the information on your own, to engage in your own critical thinking about it, because you want to do the due diligence to look things up. So instead of being told what to think, if you want to think for yourself, then using Google search engine is not a you know, not a good idea. You should use something like DuckDuckGo instead. So uh, now let's get on to the Chrome browser. The Chrome browser is a massive tracking device. It is bogus in its incognito mode. Like, that really just doesn't work. And what, of course, Google's trying to do with the Chrome browser is make it so that you're going to use your, your Gmail client with their browser and then use their browser for everything else. And then, you know, your life is super wonderful, right? Well, in the meantime, everything that's happening in that browser gets reported back to the mothership. And again, if you consent to that, if you understand that, then that is your choice. The problem is, is that the vast majority of people have never had that told to them and even all of these amorphous legal statements that talk about how, you know, if you if you use this browser you consent to, you know, us storing such and such data and all of this stuff about how you can supposedly opt out well, that's not entirely true. You can't actually opt out of a lot of things. I could make an argument that Chrome is a bad browser just from a resource utilization perspective on your computer as well. It's, it's quite a memory hog, and it has this tendency to spawn a whole bunch of processes, and it can just really consume a whole bunch of memory. What's the alternative? Well, Firefox also tracks you. And Firefox has become uh, a bit of a disappointment, actually a pretty substantial disappointment over the last few years. You know, the Firefox went and terminated one of their executive management team for something that he did with his own personal money on his own personal time that had nothing to do with being a criminal thing. So they basically terminated somebody over their political beliefs. And he didn't do it publicly, by the way. Uh, So it's not like he, quote, embarrassed the company. I mean, yeah, I can certainly make an argument that if you're an executive of a company, what you do in public can be construed as having things to do with your company. Sure, I can make that argument. But... In this case, with the executive management of Firefox, that was not the circumstance. They'd made a uh, private contribution with personal dollars in a private way, uh, not on behalf of Firefox, and not discussed in public. So was reasonable privacy expected? Yes, reasonable privacy of a personal contribution was expected. And it is unreasonable to expect that anyone would ever get fired over it. And the thing that I find disturbing is if you as an employee were terminated for your political beliefs, then you would have an EEOC claim for discriminatory firing. And I would agree with that. Uh And this has actually happened just recently up in Milwaukee. There was a woman who was terminated from her job uh, simply because of expressing support for a particular politician on Facebook. So there was positive statements, wasn't anything derogatory, was not... uh, you know, making nasty statements against people, was not inciting violence, wasn't anything like that, wasn't any inappropriate activity on social media. And this was done on the person's individual account and on their own time. So this is a clear circumstance of the company in Milwaukee terminated that employee because of their political beliefs. And, you know, that should be illegal, it just it's, it's beyond ridiculous. So, um, anyways, back to the whole browser thing. Brave browser is a very good alternative. It's Brave, B-R-A-V-E. It is what's called a fork, like the thing that you eat with, the utensil that you eat with. The Brave browser... It is a fork of Firefox, it's maintained by a separate organization, and it just does not have the phone home to the mothership sort of uh, spying things that is going on inside of Firefox. So if you are going to use Firefox, you can control which browser is, or I'm sorry, which search engine is being used inside the browser. You have to change those settings. You can also choose whether or not Firefox is saving passwords on your behalf. So you shouldn't have it save passwords on your behalf because that's obviously a problem. And then uh, Epstein uh, also talks about how you have got to stop having these devices in your home that you know are just hearing and recording everything, like Alexa. Alexa these smart TVs, you know, or Google's assistant, all of these things are extremely problematic because, oh, Google has a home device, right? And then they have the Nest device as well. All of these things, they either have or they have the potential to have video cameras that are recording all the time, listening devices that are recording all the time. And I brought this up before. This whole thing of, how do you think that Alexa works if it's voice activated? So, if it's voice activated and you can say, Alexa, do this, well, it must be listening all the time. And do you actually want to rely upon a privacy button that you walk up to the device and you press it and it changes colors which theoretically indicates that it is not listening anymore. I don't really believe this because I don't trust any of these companies. There's just uh, endless quantities of dubious stuff coming out of these companies all the time. They seem to know, you know, no boundaries whatsoever with regards to, you know, what they are recording and what they're doing with the information and they're continually found to be in violation of what they said they were doing while they're actually doing something much more nefarious with the data. So there's an interesting article that came out talking about uh, the federally subsidized smartphones that are paid for through the Universal Service Fund charge that we all have to pay for. So if you get the lifeline assistance program phones these phones come preloaded with a bunch of applications that have actually given the communist chinese government access to private data including contacts texts emails and so forth that the these particular smartphones also remotely silently And surreptitiously and without any user participation, remotely download additional applications onto these phones uh, for, you know, total spying. Uh, So, you know, again, it's not free, is it? Why would you use free things? Why would, why? I I don't know. I wouldn't use the free things, it seems to me, to be uh, a problematic situation, I would prefer to not have um, things s- recording every little thing that I do. I think the li- life is difficult enough without all of that. I do have some tips for you on uh, the smart TVs. I'll wrap it up with that. There are some articles on the Internet that if you search for them based upon the brand of smart TV that you have, for example, you know, LG, Roku, Samsung, you can be shown step-by-step instructions for disabling as much as possible a lot of the spyware stuff and what i actually do is i would stay away from samsung tvs under all circumstances and i also Control what those things can do at the network layer, which is more than virtually what anybody does In fact the vast majority of people in IT just quote put those TVs on their own little space and let them do whatever they want well the problem I have with that is Let them do whatever they want means that they're talking to things that you didn't actually authorize them to talk to so I figure out what the TVs need to be talking to legitimately and over what protocols, and then those are the policies that I craft. Now, some TVs work with that, and LG happens to be some TVs that do work with that, and I think that LG TVs are the least spyware-like out there. The Samsungs are absolutely intolerable. And I think anybody who's in the IT services industry who is advocating that somebody go buy a Samsung TV has really not done their homework with regards to the level of spyware that's going on with those TVs. I mean, it's literally to the point where I can see traffic where these TVs are phoning home back to China. Um, They're leaking data back to China. And I've also seen uh, tons of intrusion uh, protection sort of alarms coming off of these TVs. It was so bad in one environment that had a bunch of uh, Samsung TVs that I had to just disable the notifications for uh, that subnet with those TVs on it because it was just happening all the time. And, I mean, the network security equipment was still blocking the malicious traffic, But the fact is, is that the mass quantity of how much it was going on all the time, it it was just, you know, security alert noise at that point. And, you know, that's another argument for why VLAN segmentation is so important. Well, that's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed it.